0: Welcome to Conversations 360 podcast and this podcast series, Asia and the West. I'm your host, Susan Bird. On Asia and the West, we showcase people whose life, work, and experience shed light on what's taking place between these two critically important parts of our world. We're especially focused on China, but you'll hear from people with fascinating things to share about other parts of Asia as well. In this podcast conversation, you'll hear that Westerners' fear of China may be working against them.
1: I feel that um, the West has got its own challenges with its people and um, and China is perhaps being used a little bit as a, as a part of that fear, but it feels less about let's get out there with China and let's do it together and, and here's our big opportunity.
0: Those are the words of Heather Payne, Chief Client Officer at TNS Global, a market research arm of WPP with clients all over the world. It's a good thing Heather loves to travel. She's been based on four continents in a rich variety of roles, most recently CEO of Asia. She's now living and working out of New York City. Heather's Australian and got her degree in marketing from the University of New South Wales in Australia. You'll hear Heather describe further this Western fear of China that she's observed. And she'll explain how advantageously China is positioning itself in the world, including its ability to avoid getting into costly wars outside its borders. She says, for example,
1: China is quietly and not so quietly sometimes securing its resources and its opportunity for the future. I think it's very forward-looking. I think it's patient um, it's not getting itself involved in military mess ups and expenses that, that um, other countries are. So it's actually benefits from um, benefits from from world peace whenever we get it, <laughs> benefits from those sorts of things. But it doesn't have to spend on them.
0: I met Heather two years ago and found her observations of interactions between Asia, specifically China, and the West instructive, and I'm delighted she's agreed to take part in our Asia and the West podcast series. For this conversation, both Heather and I were in New York City. Welcome to Conversations 360 podcast and to Asia and the West, Heather. Thank you. Nice to be here. Great. So when we talked about conversations taking place in and between Asia and the West, What comes to mind for you? What does that mean? I guess it's it's
1: on uh, several tiers. So I think about conversations in the political arena, um, of which it feels like there is less than there was a few years ago. It feels as though um, uh, the West and China have gone into their corners a bit. And then I think about conversations... um, between manufacturers and brands and the marketing community and China still being a very important, important, um, market for the future success of multinational brands. And then I think about conversations going on between the people, um, and the greater connectivity between the citizens of, um, of China and the rest of the world. Be that the fact that so many Chinese people are now traveling, I think it was 120 million last year, albeit the, um, the, the internet conversations that are going on or, or, or uh, the students that are now um, all over the world and connecting back into China. Um, so they're the three levels of conversations, and I don't know if there's one in particular you'd like me to talk about, but um, they're, I think they're all really impacting China and China's future.
0: Well, I do too, and I like the way you, you sort of laid them out. So taking any one of the three of them, how has the dialogue shifted over the last decade? I think you mentioned to me in another conversation that you thought there was a time when it was really pretty paramount, at least in Western minds, this whole issue around China was really paramount, and now it seems to have receded based on other interests. What 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 do you think?
1: Yeah, that's that's what it feels like. And and um, you know, living in the U.S. Uh, only for the last three and a half years, I think I was expecting a lot more conversation and a lot more press. And a lot more presence of um, of China, but it feels like, uh, particularly in America, that um, as I said, a lot, there's a lot more discussion about. There's a lot more fear, and um, uh, it's interesting. The, the uh, um, economist article talked about um, suppression of people and controlling people from the um, from the Chinese government. But I, I kind of feel that the West is doing the same through terror and through, you know, concerns about ISIS. So I feel that. Um, the west has got its own challenges with its people and um and china is perhaps being used a little bit as a as a part of that fear but it feels less about let's get out there with china and let's do it together and and here's our big opportunity um and, and from the other side, China, I mean, obviously it continues to get involved in its footprint. I heard on the the, the, uh, the news this week about China's involvement with the uh, nuclear power in, in the UK. So it's it's got the mines, it's got the farmlands in Australia, it's got big presence in Africa. Um, so it's, it's still putting its footprint out there, but it's not making a big noise about it. So, yeah, I do feel that... Um, uh, America is talking about China a lot less, but there's, and there is a, there is a bit of a distance growing. Um, there seems to be more of a mistrust and uh, less of a we're in this together. China's going to really help us in two thousand and nine um, you know pull ourselves out of this situation.
0: So when you said in two thousand oh, and nine, oh, in the economic crisis
1: yeah yeah there's a lot more discussion about wow, well, you know China's in a different situation to us um we've got we've got a, a real crisis on our hand. Let's work with china let's work with China and see how we can you know benefit from that
0: and what you're saying is that conversation didn't happen instead we We pulled back and paid attention to ourselves. Did I get that right it's take it uh, yes, I
1: think it's taken okay. a turn it's taken a turn back in back inwards in the last couple of years.
0: So, how accurate is the Chinese understanding of the West?
1: Um, I think it 's probably more accurate than <laughs> the west 's understanding of China. Um, how accurate is it? Um, i think I think the Chinese understand the way we do business. I think, um, I think they're, very, they're very smart. I think they've stood back and, and watched um, and have worked out where they need to play and how to play it. And they also know that they have the, the, the money, the economic power, and they know where to play that. So whilst they might not understand um, you know, our, our cultures, they certainly understand where they can benefit in business.
0: And how about the other way around you said that the Chinese maybe have a better understanding of us than vice versa what What do you think about the Western understanding of china? you said there's a fear factor
1: yeah i think um I think there's still this this lack of trust um and that, um, that there's obviously all the issues around i p there's there's china's very bold statement about um you know, we want, to, we want to do innovation internally, um, what do they call it, indigenous innovation. We want to bring innovation back into China and, and you know, we, we, want to, we want to be the leaders. So I think um, the West is used to, be, used to being the leaders and I think it's hard for us to know how to go in and not be the leaders or to have, have things taken from us and, and um, or what we see is taken from us and, and utilised for an indigenous um, agenda.
0: So let's talk about what's on the mind of many people who have an interest in China, and that is the recent slowdown in the Chinese economy. So from your perspective, what's happening, and how is the impact being felt in the companies with whom you do business?
1: Um, Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, Because, you know, certainly it's slowed down, but it's still pretty good. Um, I feel the brands that we work with have a lot of pressure to succeed in China, um, and it's a very competitive market. The local brands are growing very quickly. Um, they, they are, you know, if you just if you just look at the automotive um, fair that was in China d- just recently, uh, that the car industry is really getting its act together. They're also um, the Chinese brands are taking the best of West, but but um, adapting to the Chinese needs, be it things like the environment. So Chinese consumers are getting much more concerned about the environment. But unlike the West, Chinese consumers feel that it's responsibility of of the government and of corporations, whereas in the West we feel it's our responsibility to recycle and to do all these things. So brands that are coming in and and, um, providing that that greener experience and and addressing that problem are being embraced, and the Chinese know which buttons to to push in in their... um, in their companies, so I think um, a lot of FMCG companies are finding it really tough. Um, technology companies, I just think the competition is really is really fierce, and also distribution has always been an issue. So um, regional brands can have strong distribution. They have um, they know their consumers. They they're quick to act. Um, they don't have all the the import export issues. They they just get out there and do it. So we've seen, yeah, we've seen a lot more, our our clients have seen a lot more competition um, and good competitors. Used to be West was good, East was, um, you know, sub-quality, but it's not like that
0: anymore. So how about the individuals in China regarding this slowdown? We know that people born in the last 30 years in China have been living in a country where there has been nothing but exponential growth, even though their parents may well have worked in factories or uh, in agriculture, this has been really an unprecedented high-growth experience for decades now. What's the mood there as this slows down? Um, is there frustration around this? Do people see it as any kind of a crisis? What, what, what do you read?
1: Um, I wouldn't read crisis. Um, I would say um, more competitive. More, more stressful. Definitely more stressful. Um, a lot of educated people who are, are doing not so educated jobs. Um, a lot of pressure because of the sandwich generation that we know of, that have sort of sandwiched between um, four sets of grandparents and their parents and and you know maybe one child themselves. Um, I feel that. Uh, well, there's a, there's a huge amount of online activity and a huge amount of connectivity between people. So I feel that there's still this feeling of momentum. So even if it's not um, even if it's not you know having as much money in your pocket as, as quickly as before, or the growth of growth of income, there's still that feeling of progress. I think because of of the the connectivity and, and the progress of technology in China. Um, sorry. So you're going to ask me a question.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, on this individual level, you mentioned the uh, uh, environment earlier. Have have individuals in China become more vocal about their concerns? Are are they willing to speak up to authority? We know that Westerners view Chinese as reluctant to do that, and they read about people being put in jail who uh, say something the government doesn't like. What's the deal with that?
1: Mm, it's, It's hard to know. Because um, you, you know a lot of what you, what you see and hear is through the press. Um, it's, it would be unusual with my with, with work colleagues or, or Chinese friends to have a political debate like we would around a dinner table um, in New York. <laughs> um, but I think quietly they are, they are getting together and showing concern um, and they're not aggressively bucking the system, but, but they are finding their, they've found their voice, I feel, but they haven't found the channels yet. So they they're they're awake but they still haven't found the way to to,
0: to, to get it out there safely. So what about emigration? We're told some people say that Chinese China's brightest and wealthiest are actually leaving the country taking their money with them. Do you see that or do you hear about that? Um if I
1: think about um, our organization and our, our clients that we work with um, no, I still I I mean, of course, people are doing that, but I still feel that um, people see the career opportunities in China. Um, it's you know, you make it in China, then then um, you've really made it. So, whilst a lot of people might be leaving, I still think that China has the ability to keep keep very bright people. And it does depend on the industry. You know, perhaps if you're a scientist controlled by, um, you know, a, a bigger organisation, the government, and the bureaucracy associated with that, maybe through frustration you would leave. But if you're a marketing person, it's it's really ripe and really exciting. Um, so I think it does. And if you're in, you know, if you're working for hire or one of those companies that are really looking to break through technology, then I think, or, or even airspace, all the things that are really a priority for China, um, I think it's it, people... There's still very good talent in in China.
0: So for those who do stick around, and it sounds like in your opinion a lot of them are, uh, some would say that a crucial requirement, maybe more than ever, is that China remains or gets really innovative. Now some people... Yeah, so, and we know that some companies have been, Alibaba, Tencent, etc. Do they... Do the Chinese view innovation differently than we do here in the West, where we see it generally as something that's highly disruptive
1: um, yeah, and I guess the difference is that the government seems to be government has a big innovation agenda um whereas in the west it's there's a, it's a private it's a private enterprise agenda um so does the average person see innovation as important? Um, I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't say it's – I'd say in the West, particularly in the US, um, there's a recognition that innovation is is absolutely essential for the future of this country, and that's by the individuals that are living in this country, and, and they absolutely support it. Um, in China, the government recognises the, the importance of it, um, but it's – again, that's about – it could be interpreted or felt as that's also about maintaining control, so, you know, keeping things for Chinese people in China and being the best but not not for the commercial purposes but for the control of the populace
0: or keeping the populace in harmony, I should say, rather than control. Harmony, that's a big word, yes. They, they use that word harmony a lot. So where will, this yeah. incre- where will this increased innovation come from in China? Will it be the expats who bring in Western thinking? Will it be the young who have now been educated in the West and return to eventually lead companies there? Or will it be homegrown? Where is it going to come from?
1: Um, I think that depends on how the government responds to innovation in the, in the future. So at the moment, um, as I said, it has this in- indigenous innovation um, uh, remit, um, and that's and there's a lot of reliance on that, but there's a lot of bureaucracy around that. Um, also, the government is is out investing uh, in across the world, everywhere, <laughs> Africa, as I said, the UK, everywhere. Um, hoping to bring that back in, or hoping to learn. As you know, if, if com- companies go into China, there is an agreement, or, or there is um, uh, barriers if you don't help when you come in, if you don't help partner and share your, 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 your IP and your technology. Um, so I think it's going to come from there, but I think tr- true innovation will come if people are given a bit, given more freedom to do that. So true innovation will come if, if you know, there's pods of people who are encouraged to really break down the molds, like like happens on the, you know, the east, the west coast of of America. So what about there?
0: Um, yeah, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, there's one other thing too. There are obviously multinationals that have set up innovation centres in in um, China. So um, you know. L'Oreal and, and brands like that have got innovation centers specifically to to deal with the the Chinese market and uh, Unlike 10 years ago innovations are coming out of China back into the rest of Asia or back into the rest of the world
0: Can you point to Do a couple happen. that can you point to a couple that you think are exemplary of that? Um,
1: I can point to a category. I think the skincare category um, uh, I think it was SK2, P and, P and G. I, I can clarify. I can clarify that. But I think the skincare category has bought products out. Um, uh, I think automotive is um, bringing bringing out in terms of um, not so much in terms of connectivity or some of the things that's happening happening um, in the US automotive market, but more in terms of energy and efficiency.
0: Which can be used globally, obviously. So that's yeah. that, that's important. Yeah. Now, what about yeah. the educational system? Um, we've talked about the fact that so many young people in Chinese in China uh, really learn through a fairly rote method, and that uh, and which is perhaps not so not so conducive to critical thinking. And and thus, there's a lot of emphasis for people who can afford it to send their kids elsewhere and get that that. Kind of thinking that leads to more innovation. Do you hear any news about the educational system being challenged or it being changed, or is that still pretty much the way it works?
1: Um, it's interesting because in Hong Kong, it's actually what, um, progressed a little bit with the Chinese influence and the way history is being taught. Is um, you know, it's 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 much more Chinese than it was previously. So it 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 doesn't feel as though it's becoming a more open system, however um as you know uh, a lot more people are investing in their children's education um, in in international or, or private education now that that's you know in the long run that could actually um not help the uh the government systems because the people who would challenge and the people who come from um Perhaps families who are, who are more educated themselves are not sending those kids into that environment. Um, so I haven't. I'm not an education expert by any means. Um, I, I guess my main experience with education is the people that come into our into our our work or the clients that we work with, and um, um, most of them have got some sort of international either international schools within China or, or international experience themselves. So I, I don't have. I can't personally talk about um, my interaction with people who've come out of the, China, the pure Chinese education system
0: well I am interested in how many uh, college graduates China is pumping out of its own system yeah. is there are an awful lot of people with college degrees as you said doing not so uh, not so intellectually demanding work and you wonder is there going to be a pressure point that that reaches that that creates some you know real dissatisfaction on the part of the, the general populace.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I guess, um, you know, if we were thinking about millennials or, or um, centennials, <laughs> the ones that are coming through the education system now, um, that they are, as we've talked about, they're, they're, um, they're coming from a, a, a more entitled generation, um, they have a lot of attention on them and um, a Big expectation that builds up by the time that they graduate that the future is theirs and and come into the workforce and it's not. So I agree that there's that there's certainly um, there certainly could be um, some rebuffle from that in in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. What about what about privacy? We know that in the West, people here are pretty extreme in their views about wanting their data private. They don't want people to know uh, their business, whereas. That's not so true
1: in China, is it? Um, I think people would very much like privacy. It's just um, less... They they, they just know that um, that hasn't been the norm, that that things are monitored and you have to watch what you do. But I think they would very much like more privacy. And it's interesting, isn't it, because... um, in the West, we're very concerned about privacy, but we give away all our data every day. <laughs> we give away so much information about ourselves on all our um, Facebooks and everything that we that we uh, we now use
0: and pictures and stories. Yes, yes. everything. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like all, all all in though you are basically optimistic about China's future. What what what's, yes, absolutely. what what's, what's your biggest source of optimism?
1: Um. I think the government has a pulse on its people and its situation. It doesn't always know how to respond, but um, it it has a pulse, has a good good feel of it. I feel that um, China is quietly and not so quietly sometimes securing its resources and its opportunity for the future. I think it's very forward-looking. I think it's patient um, it's not getting itself involved in military mess-ups and expenses that, that um, other countries are, so it's actually benefits from, um, benefits from, from world peace whenever we get it, <laughs> benefits from those sorts of things, but it doesn't have to spend on them. Um, I think it's, it understands the environment is very important. It understands technology is, is, is the future for a, a harmonious people, because, because technology will give them growth, but also for solving its most pressing issues around, um, around well around growth and around the environment. Uh, and also I just think the culture, I think as I said, they're patient. Um, they, um, you know they, they, they look after opportunities, they look for opportunities, they find them. Um, what did they say? There's a quote from uh, the leader that said, "Keep a low
0: profile." Our time while actively getting something accomplished. So that's what the your source of optimism is. What will the biggest challenges be for China? Um, balancing balancing
1: the people's growing demand um, for better life, growing demand for having having their needs met, be it um, environmental, social, or or material. Um, with, um, you know, with control, with um, guiding the country. So guiding the country and keeping the people with it. Um, I mean, I, again, I, if we compare this to the West, I feel that the West is not in a great position in terms of democracy and leadership and, and having the people on board at the moment. So, you know, perhaps perhaps China may use the the, the the um, current political systems across the world that are not succeeding as a as an opportunity to talk about a better one for China, and maybe there'll be something that comes out of it that is a you know that that, that bridges a gap between um, the West and the East while still maintaining um, the ability to lead the people. I think in the West, the ability to lead the people has been diminishing. Where and, and China um, China will try very very hard or work very hard to maintain to Maintain its ability to lead its people
0: Heather are there any other issues that you'd like to mention or that you think are particularly important regarding this whole East meets West and vice versa arena
1: The, the um, one thought that did occur to me was um, the other way around of Chinese people being successful in the West and in Western businesses And I look at multinational companies that all have big operations in China, and I don't see a lot of Chinese people on their boards or in senior management positions outside of their own region. And um, I kind of feel as though the West also, multinationals need to bring it back the other way. So China's bringing people into the West, I think. Sorry, China's bringing Western people into their business world, but it's not coming back the other way so we're not going to have that that understanding or that um, ability to work together for the benefit of both if we don't do that and I think that's I think that it's partly cultural so um, Chinese Chinese are not pushy um, they as I said they're patient they're not bang the table they're they're um, not aggressive in in a business they're very respectful in a business environment and I think um, it kind of Perhaps holds back their ability to be on those boards in um, American or, or, or European companies.
0: That's an interesting question, actually. I uh, like that. So, well, thank you, Heather. If this is the first time you're listening to Asia and the West podcast, please subscribe on your podcast app of choice. There are plenty more conversations with fascinating people from where this came. And please rate and review us on iTunes. As you may know, iTunes gives credit to reviews and ratings, and the more credit we get, the more people can discover us. And please tell your friends. Word of mouth is a powerful way to spread the word about the Conversation 360 podcast and this Asia and the West series. There's more information on our website, www.conversation360podcast.com. The show's Twitter handle is at Conv360podcast, that's C O N V, 360podcast, and my personal Twitter is at Susan W. Bird, spelled B I R D. Thanks for listening.